0: If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, so metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to millions or billions of people, what would it say and why?
1: Um, let's see. I think we're just in a sort of interesting climate politically worldwide, and I'd probably just say vote, because I think it's the most important thing that people can do, um, given everything that's going on in many different countries around the world. world. So vote, exercise your constitutional
0: rights. That's a good one. Yeah. Marizad Sumariwala is currently the director of customer success at Seamless MD. She joined the team in 2018 after consulting for over five years in the healthcare industry. She was previously at KPMG advisory services in Mumbai, India and the advisory board company in Washington, D.C. Merizet has a BA specializing in biology and economics from Wesleyan University and a master's of health administration from Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Merizet has worked with hospitals ranging from large academic medical centers to community hospitals to improve quality, reduce costs and tackle care variation with an emphasis on using data-driven insights. In her role as the Director of Customer Success at CMSMD, she most enjoys when customers see the value of engaging their patient populations digitally and achieve tangible results and outcomes as a result. This is Marizet's second appearance on the CMSMD podcast. Her first episode was episode number nine on the best practices for implementing digital patient engagement. If you're curious to learn why implementation can make or break your software, go ahead and check that episode out. Uh, Today, we're delighted to have Marizad back on the pod to highlight one of her clients' success in using digital patient engagement for cardiac care. Marizad, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Didn't know if I'd be uh, allowed back after the first time.
0: Oh, come on, Marizad. We have an open invitation for you every single time, but you just never take us up on that offer. All righty. Well, this covered real fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exposed, Marizad. (laughs) Um, All right, so today, Marizab, we're focusing on one of your client's success, like I mentioned, uh, and the client is Catholic Health Services of Long Island's St. Francis Hospital's The Heart Center, which I think will we'll shorten to Chisley for the rest of this podcast. But to start, Merizad, maybe could you tell us a little bit about Chisley's cardiac program and why they were interested in digital patient engagement?
1: Sure. So St. Francis Hospital is a part of the Catholic Health Services of Long Island, and they're a 300-bed, high-volume center and definitely a leader in cardiac care. Dr. Lecour is the Preston over at St. Francis, and he had extremely positive experiences with Seamless at his previous hospital. So when he came over to St. Francis, he recognized the importance of patient engagement and wanted to bring us in. I do want to point out that they are using Seamless for both TAVR and open cases, and were in fact our first TAVR program and launch on Seamless. Their main interest was in improving patient outcomes, though, particularly for open cases. And in addition, they wanted to monitor patients more closely and augment their existing ERAS program.
0: Were there specific metrics that they were looking to improve with the technology?
1: Absolutely. So, in that focus on patient outcomes, the key metrics were length of stay and readmissions. But really, the focus has always been on readmissions with this customer. And I'm really proud to say that after seven months uh, of launching the program, the overall readmission rate for open heart cases went from 11% to 6%, which is a 45% reduction. Mm -hmm. Now, and I'm sure you can work your magic here and insert some graphs into the podcast for our fans who may actually be watching and not just listening, because I think the visual is extremely powerful. Uh, While I wouldn't necessarily attribute all of that success to seamless, the monitoring of patients through the daily health checks on our program when they go home is a huge reason for catching issues earlier and avoiding readmissions. So we uh, definitely have focused in on those key metrics for them and already seen success and hope to continue that trend.
2: Uh, So so Samarza, just for uh, listeners who, I guess, aren't familiar with our terminology around daily health checks, can you maybe share like what that is and and what types of maybe symptoms or issues they're they're tracking over at, at Chisley?
1: Absolutely. So in all of our programs, but specifically here at St. Francis as a cardiac program, the daily health check is essentially a survey that a patient is able to complete every single day after they go home. Uh, And I like to think of it as a head to toe check. So it starts off asking questions about their mood, their anxiety, their emotional and behavioral state and moves on to physical symptoms. And that can, of course, vary depending on the types of symptoms that are most appropriate for the surgery the patients had. Given that these are cardiac patients, there are a lot of questions around wound, fever, blood pressure, uh, various cardiac uh, signs and symptoms, chest pain, uh, but it also ranges through other signs and symptoms that patients often face after surgery, dehydration, constipation, uh, other basic issues. So the idea behind the health check is patients fill this out each day and it makes them more aware and makes them think about how their body is doing, how they're feeling, and what are the right steps that they might need to take based on their responses to that health check.
0: And Marizad, when a patient fills out this health check, um, the team at Chisley for instance, are they able to monitor the the patient's responses in real time and if so, how does that work uh, for their their workflow at at Chisley?
1: Yeah, so at St. Francis, the staff is monitoring these responses to the health check which is fantastic for the patients. So essentially, the way this works is if I, as a patient, fill out my health check and I trigger an alert because I've reported that I have a fever and I also have some issues with my wound. On the staff side, they are getting an alert to say, hey, there's a patient who's reporting an issue and uh, they're able to come into the program. uh, They're able to quickly look at everything I reported and they're probably going to call me back. Now, I do want to emphasize that... Um, Basically, there's a lot of misnomers around alerts with a lot of our customers thinking they need to put someone in front of a computer 24 hours a day. That's really not true. Um, You know, These staff are working typical Monday to Friday hours and respond to alerts that come in during that side. So, of course, people go, well, what's happening if the patient reports it at night or on the weekend? Um, And on the patient side, I think it's important to note that when I, as the patient, fill out that survey, regardless of the timing of my survey, and whatever issues I put in, I'm always given an instruction about who to call and what steps to take. So patient safety is top of mind. We're always ensuring that the patient is armed with the right information and knowledge for what they need to do for their care. And then the alerts are an additional layer on top of that to allow the clinical staff to also closely monitor patients. But it doesn't have to mean you need to employ someone to sit in front of a screen 24-7. So St. Francis has done a wonderful job incorporating this into their workflow. There are actually um, two NPs who essentially manage uh, patients for seven cardiac surgeons and get the alerts. And between the two of them, they're able to really manage a very large high-volume center. So they're doing great.
0: Excellent. Yeah. I think it's important to highlight as well, um, you know, the fact that Chisley has actually integrated Seamless MD with Epic and MyChart uh, right from the right from day one. Um, and so for instance, with these alerts and notifications, these are coming through Epic uh, for the, the clinical team. Could you talk a little bit about why it was important for Chisley to integrate with Epic from the start?
1: Absolutely. And I think one of the reasons we were able to hit the ground running with them was because of the integration it really lowered the barrier for these nurses and clinical providers across the board to access Seamless and enroll patients. Very often when we first launch a program, we do spend the first few weeks tweaking the enrollment process, helping out users with logging into the Seamless system and getting them acclimatized to that. But when everything is right within Epic, which is what we have at St. Francis with the integration, enrolling a patient is as simple as a couple of clicks because they already have the patient's chart right there in Epic. It's just a couple of extra buttons to say, you know, seamless, I want to make sure this patient's on the program, let's make sure we've got the right email and phone so they can get all their right information, and that's it. Uh, So we've really lowered the barrier, Uh, and by doing this from the beginning, you know, nurses and clinicians, they haven't been preoccupied with that whole operational aspect of it. They're more focused on actually educating the patient about seamless, telling them the benefits of using the program, and really getting them started on it. So I think it was critical to our success there that we actually implemented Epic from the beginning, our, our integration with Epic from the beginning. Uh, so their focus was really just on getting patients on.
2: Uh, that. So I mean, one of the unique things about our, um, I guess, Epic integration is that seamless. SeamlessMD is on App AppOrchard. Um, and so, you know, my understanding is that compared to traditional integrations, this is much faster to implement. Um, could you talk a bit about you know what sort of benefits there have been for Chisley in terms of using our, our App Orchard integration.
1: Yeah, so when we actually started the integration, um, Chisley themselves I don't believe had done too many of these what we'll call newer integrations. Uh, so we were one of the first working with them through this. And what the real benefit is is because it's sort of a almost out of the box solution off the App Orchard. We're using sort of Smart On Fire. We're using Certain APIs that Epic's already helped pre-configure, uh, so that when a hospital wants to "quote unquote" turn it on, there's a much lower uh, threshold in terms of the work that the IT team needs to do at the organization in order to make this happen. For those who may really know IT and um, have gone through maybe some more traditional integration something like an HL Seven or really incorporating various uh, ADT feeds—that's admission, discharge, transfer. Those can be really time-consuming in order to map out individually those different discrete pieces, but with the Smart On Fire uh, APIs that we're using as part of App Orchard and these sort of out-of-the-box integrations, it's a much faster process. There's only a few elements that have to be tested and turned on, so overall, we're able to accomplish that in a much shorter time as well.
2: That's a really good point. So I think you know when, when you know Elle and I have spoken to other organizations. Um, I would say lately the the App Orchard integration has been really compelling because I think we all realize that that IT is busy. There's just so many priorities and other things in queue that often when they they see how quick it is, it's almost more exciting for them to, to be able to work on something where results happen um, very fast. So it's just nice to hear that that's going so well.
1: Yeah, and just anecdotally from another customer who had done a Smart On Fire integration in the past, um, the sort of key analyst who was working from the hospital side. Really, it took him about two days to finish configuring the main points. Um, now, of course, that's gonna vary depending on people's experience level and whether they've done these kinds of things in the past, but it can be literally as quick as a week in terms of configuring the majority of the integration.
2: In, in healthcare, that that's like lightning speed you can get something yeah. two days.
0: <laughs> healthcare,
1: that's blinking, so. Yeah, yeah,
0: honestly. <laughs> Uh, I think it's great as well that it's integrated with MyChart because it's keeping the, the the whole patient experience all in one place. So they could use, you know, a separate app or the text message or emails, but they can also get all of their lab results in MyChart and access CMSMD from MyChart. So it's kind of just one spot for the patients, which is really great, I think.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: the other thought I had, uh, you know, with any type of implementation of any kind, there's kind of... I think it's Murphy's law that applies where whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Um, And so I I know, you know, any implementation of a technology is never just going to be smooth sailing. So were there any initial challenges or, or barriers that came up in the process of implementing or, or with the early usage at Chisley? And, and if so, how did you overcome those barriers?
1: Yeah. So for those who may have tuned in to the first time I was on the podcast, I actually alluded to a kickoff meeting that did not go so smoothly and I'll reveal here that that meeting was in fact with St. Francis uh, at the beginning of their implementation and one of the key factors uh, was we had too many people on the initial call who were just not able to get their questions answered and they actually left with more doubts than excitement about Mm -hmm. Seamless and so that certainly put up a barrier right at the beginning uh, where you know we had a Very enthusiastic group of people coming to the kickoff, but just because of how many people were there, people's different priorities and trying to get their questions answered. I think a lot of people laughed, feeling a little unsatisfied. And ultimately overcoming that was really about working with small groups. We did a lot of small group discussion, addressing questions at a more role specific level. So meeting with case managers, meeting with the nurse practitioners, meeting with the surgeons separately so that their focus could be just on what is my role going to be in this project and how is it going to impact me? And that went a very long way towards re-engagement and enthusiasm. Uh, of course, now we can see what the results we've had um, over the past year plus. It's really been a fantastic team to work with and we have a great relationship with them, but there was definitely that bumpy start. And really if I had to sum it up in a sentence, it was reassuring them that Seamless was not going to be adding hours of work to an already stretched team and in fact, bringing a ton of benefit to their patients and themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's funny because now, you know, they, they, we do have results for them out and we'll talk about that in, in a minute. But, um, you know, from that early stage of, you know, not knowing what's going on and too many cooks in the kitchen and all that. Um, now there's over 90 percent of their cardiac patients that have adopted Seamless MD, or at least that's the number that I've heard uh, internally do you think there's something in particular that the St. Francis staff are doing particularly well to achieve such high adoption rates from their patients?
1: Yeah, so just in terms of numbers, I checked this morning and there are 968 patients uh, already on the seamless program. We're definitely and, and gonna- These
0: get- are Marizette, these are patients that are 60, 70, 80 years old. Like they're they're elderly, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, The average age of a TAVR patient is about 80, 84 years old, you know, in that range. And the average age for a open cardiac surgery patient is about, you know, 70, 75. So uh, we're talking about a pretty elderly population and we've got 968 of them on the program. I'm sure we're going to hit our 1000th patient next week. So that'll be a great milestone. But in terms of You know, that's who's on the program. What about those who aren't on the program? How many of them opted out? Specifically, I like to look, especially at the open cases, because that's the majority of their volume at St. Francis. So we've got nearly 700 uh, patients who are open cases on there, and uh, 658 to be exact. And we only have 46 of them who, over a year and a half almost now, have opted out. That's really actually 6.5% of the open cases opting out of seamless. And that's a phenomenal rate for the adoption of a technology. I think there's a few factors to that. One on the seamless side itself, we make it extremely easy for patients in the way that the app is set up through accessibility, but also allowing a caregiver to be on the program with a patient. So that could be a family member, a loved one, a friend, anyone the patient wants to share in their journey. But I think the St. Francis team does an amazing job as well because they do a few things really well. And one of those things is they do spend the time upfront to explain to the program, explain to the patient and their family what the program is. Uh, And really, that's one of the critical elements. If a patient is just told, here's a program with no context, they're not going to engage in that. Mm -hmm. Most importantly, they do reassure the patient that someone is looking at their answers. Because St. Francis is doing remote monitoring, that is the key hook for patients. This really motivates them to use Seamless. I think we see it the very first time a patient does a health check, maybe they report a fever and it triggers an alert to the team and the nurse calls them back. They're amazed, they love it. They're like, oh, I just reported the symptom and my team call me back. I feel really cared for. I feel like somebody's monitoring me. And so that just continues on with the engagement and they stay motivated to fill out their health checks knowing that they are being watched over. So I think the key thing here is the team doing a really great job upfront, uh, explaining to the patient's benefit, which is, you know, if you do this, I'm actually gonna be able to help you and monitor you and see how you're doing in your recovery because we wanna make sure you're doing well. Um, So I think that's really the key here with this team.
2: I think something else, Marisa, that you touched on a couple of minutes ago is how it sounds very much as if this is a, you know, standard of care initiative, um, and you're kind of opted in by default, and then as a patient or family, you have to choose to opt out, and, and that's led like to what sounds like a 94, you know, adoption rate. And uh, I, I contrast that with I think you know years ago, you know, we had some early, early partners where I think they would um, they would look at patients and kind of just assume, oh, this patient is too elderly; they're they're not going to you know enroll in this. They're not. It's not even worth telling them or educating them on the opportunity. And I think a lot of times we have this misconception that just because someone is older that they either can't access or won't want to access and I think this is a really good example of hey you know what if you just you know really frankly you know market the the program to patients and explain it and demonstrate the benefits um, they're often really thrilled to participate and and also I mean I mean by the time I'm you know 60 or 70 Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be expecting something like this, but I'm pretty sure that's going to happen much earlier uh, than than when I'm 60 or 70. But but I think in a lot of places now, most patients, whether they're 60, 70 or 80, are expecting something like this, even today.
1: Yeah, I think in the last five, maybe even six years, there has been a shift in people's perception of let's just say elderly patients. And yes, I mean, if we think about our own parents who are most of them into their sixties, they're great with technology. My uh, mom pretty much won't use a computer because her phone is her computer and she does everything on it. So um, it's really, you know, part of it is as people who are very comfortable with technology get older, that's just the norm. Uh, But also elderly folks have learned to adapt as well and adopt technology in I would say, great ways and surprising ways for some people. Um, And that's, again, part of the way we build Seamless. Even if somebody doesn't have a smartphone, per se, and can download the app, they can still get the text message reminders, the email reminders. They could access Seamless on a tablet, which a lot of people may have and use instead of sort of a smartphone. So there's lots of ways to make programs accessible and really increase that adoption for all kinds of people.
2: So, so there's that you know, one of the things we, we often get asked is, you know, for open heart surgery, you know, some patients are elective cases, others are emergent cases. Um, so how, how flexible is Seamless in terms of being able to support um, both types of situations?
1: Yeah, we do both things. I think we do them really well. Uh, of course, for the elective patient, they have the added advantage of knowing they're having a surgery and they actually have that lead time. And so the preoperative section of our cardiac programs is really packed with ways to optimize patients towards surgery, whether those are ERAS protocols of when to stop eating and drinking, when to stop certain blood thinners, when to do certain exercises. Um, You know, we're really setting that expectation and reemphasizing all those protocols that prime patients uh, for being, you know, really the best they could be coming into surgery. And those cases are of course easy to put on the program because they come, they see their doctor in clinic, uh, get their surgery scheduled. For our non-elective cases or our emergent cases, this is where people actually really sometimes feel like I don't think I can get this patient on Seamless. They had you know emergent surgery, now they're recovering. This is all coming too fast to them. They weren't prepared for any of this, and we do understand that the first day two day or two after surgery maybe extremely stressful for the patient and their family. But what we do want and what we have done successfully, including at St. Francis, is every single patient before they leave the hospital is given the opportunity to also become part of the program. And that's again where standard operating procedure comes in. You mentioned at St. Francis, it's not an opt-in, it's an opt-out. So every single patient is offered uh, seamless, regardless of who they might be or what perception we have about them. That's where, you know, they do that great job explaining to the patient, you know, you're going home, we're going to send you home with seamless. And when you go home, we want you to do these checks because we want to know how you're doing. You know, this was all unexpected for you, but this is really going to help you. It's going to guide you in your recovery. It's going to give you that information. There's a whole library that you can read about. So patients who may not even have known what a cabbage is before, maybe unfortunately having one, uh, are now able to kind of reorient themselves take in small pieces of information uh, and really digest that on the program. So the great thing about Seamless is it can be wherever the patient is in their journey, Seamless has something for them at that point. And so even if they only really get it on the last day before they're leaving the hospital, they're still going to get the benefit of the full recovery program um, and allow, you know, their hospital staff to know how they're doing in recovery. So. I think there's a lot of advantages uh, to ensuring every patient is offered seamless regardless of where they are in the stage of their surgical journey.
0: Right. And Marizad, for the elective cases, you mentioned that you know St. Francis has this enhanced recovery after surgery program. Um, and I know that Chisley did have this program, the enhanced recovery before implementing seamless MD. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, how do they use the platform now with their existing enhanced recovery and, and kind of as a, a way to enhance those efforts?
1: Right. And for maybe the listener who isn't quite as familiar, enhanced recovery after surgery or ERAS, as we kind of um, dub it for short, is really a set of instructions and protocols that are essentially put in place to ensure that a patient is really optimized before surgery and after surgery during their recovery. There's a lot of different components to ES. Um, there's no one standard different centers will have different components such as you know optimizing patients by having prehab exercises uh, before their surgery or again telling them, specific instructions about blood thinners, uh, eating, drinking. And so what Seamless is doing to the existing St. Francis ERAS program is essentially re-emphasizing all of those instructions to patients and helping them stay compliant with it. So via our daily activities, our reminders, the tasks, and the to-do list that we have inside Seamless are all of these different pieces. Um, And so we start by telling the patient what is it. We remind them about it. And then on the St. Francis side, we're really collecting that compliance too With did the patient actually follow through with the instruction that we reminded them about? So we asked the patient, did you stop eating at midnight? And if a patient says no, they didn't, they weren't compliant with that particular instruction, we're going to ask them why. So seamless follows up by asking the patient why. And really what this leads to the really good understanding of what are the roadblocks or barriers that patients face to being as optimized as they possibly could before surgery. Um, And so that's how seamless really complements existing ERAS programs, which is reemphasizing to the patient, all of their instructions, the understanding of why we're asking them to do certain things, and then following through to see if they did them.
0: You know, you mentioned that the providers at St. Francis are able to monitor these patients, they're calling them once they've Found a, a notification or received a notification of a, a patient maybe falling off track. Um, the, one of the first concerns that they had was is this going to add more work to our existing workflow? How do we actually incorporate this new technology into the workflow so that it actually helps us? Um, Could you talk a little bit about how the Chisley providers have incorporated Seamless into their workflow day-to-day?
1: Yeah, and as I was mentioning earlier with the idea of monitoring, it doesn't have to be somebody sitting there all the time, right? So these providers are only really sort of getting pulled into that world when they get that alert. So when they get the alert is when they would go into Seamless, check it out, call the patient back. And very often, what's fantastic is they actually find more information. So even though I may have triggered that I have a fever, really when they look through all of my responses for the day, they may also notice I'm not drinking enough liquids. So maybe prompt me to be more hydrated. Uh, I may have been concerned about my wound. And I think one of the neat features about Seamless that providers love um, is that patients can securely submit a wound photo. And St. Francis is actually Marvel to me a few times about how clear the wound images are, how much detail they can see. And especially if we think about the fact that we're sort of in a pandemic world where we're really trying to keep patients out of the hospital and out of the clinics, that is an extremely useful tool uh, to really ensure that they're providing the right care to patients sort of in the home at the right time. And so for these providers, while it may sound like, okay, well, isn't it ex- your work. You got an alert. You had to go in. You had to look at the wound photo. You looked at all their answers. They triggered a fever. You're calling them back. Fact of the matter is either A, the patient would have called anyway to say, I have a fever or I'm concerned about my wound. And that takes time too. and you don't have all the answers. If a patient had simply called to say, I'm concerned about my wound, they can't see a wound image over a phone um, and they have no way to securely get one. Um, And on the other hand, if I were a patient who had those same issues, but just ignored them and never called in, I'm probably going to have a much bigger problem down the line. And that's going to lead to a potential infection, something else that gets worse. Then I'm going to have to come to the clinic, be seen in person, or possibly, unfortunately, even go to the ER to get checked out. And that's going to lead that same nurse to have more work down the line. And so it's really about choosing how and where to optimize your patients uh, so that you can get to them sooner and everyone's happier sort of getting the care they need at the right time in the right setting, especially in a pandemic world. Yeah. On
2: that topic, Marizade, um, I guess, what have you heard from, you know, providers or maybe feedback from patients about how much this sort of experience has um, been particularly beneficial uh, during the pandemic? And I'm curious, like, have you heard that, hey, you know what, we were doing this, so it's not really that different, but we're glad we did it? Or are you actually hearing you know, feedback that, hey, wow, like, it's, this is an even more enhanced, um, you know, workflow or initiative during COVID compared to even before COVID?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think they, both providers and patients, loved Seamless before, but they are particularly keen on staying engaged with Seamless right now. Uh, I think I, I saw a patient quote just the other day, where a patient emphasized, you know, it was extremely helpful during COVID at home. Home, it reminded me to take my blood pressure and temperature daily. And it was nice to know that if I did have a real issue, someone would get back to me and answer the questions I might have. So, patients are absolutely recognizing sort of the additional layer of security they feel uh, having something like seamless during COVID. And I think the providers, as I said, I've heard a lot of feedback that we love the wound photos, we love uh, the alerts because we are getting to these patients sooner. And it's increasingly important to them to be able to feel connected to their patients as well, uh, as much as it is for the patients to feel connected to their care team. Uh, So this is really enhancing that. And patients also, again, reflect that in terms of them seeing St. Francis as someone different in the market who's doing something unique for them that they really appreciate. Uh, I actually, So a couple of other patient quotes where patients said, you know, I think this whole thing is a great idea. It gave my wife and I the resources directly needed along every step of the way. And it builds confidence that I'm not alone uh, at home after the procedure. We've even had uh, patients specifically call out St. Francis and say they're glad they went there versus a competitor hospital on Long Island because they see the differences between the two programs and think the program is excellent for anyone interested. Um, beyond the patient quotes, it's really also about the numbers. And I think what's compelling is over 93% of patients at St. Francis would recommend Seamless. And I think you don't have a greater endorsement than the vast vast majority of you know, 700 patients saying, uh, yeah, I would recommend this program for myself, for my family, for my friends. Uh, so I think there's been really great feedback from both patients and providers uh, in this space.
2: Uh, so and I'm, I'm curious, have, have you heard any stories, um, not necessarily in St. Francis, but just across the board, where, um, because we're in the pandemic, that, um, you know, instead of having a follow-up in-person visit, or frankly, or even a virtual visit, that if a patient is, you know, recording, their progress with seamless and, you know, everything looks fine, their incision photo looks clean and healthy, that they're avoiding a visit altogether? Are you you hearing anything like that lately? I was just curious.
1: Yeah, we've had some hospitals who have, uh, both in the past and sort of working towards the future, doing that exact work. So in the past, we've had hospitals who have emphasized to patients that in the first two weeks, if you keep filling out your health check and you're totally clear, we can completely skip your two-week follow-up. And that's great, especially for patients who may live Particularly far away. A lot of the hospitals we work with are tertiary care centers, you know, big academic medical centers, and they do have really large sort of catchment area of where their patients come from, mm-hmm. often multiple states away, and so that's fantastic for the patient to actually be able to substitute an in-person visit that um, you know might be tiresome in terms of the journey, the distance, the time, uh, but also just increasing their risk and exposure to COVID by having to come back into a clinic or, or hospital. And then on the other hand, I mentioned sort of in the future we also have some hospital partners we're working with right now towards building in um, that same idea of replacing a in-person visit and actually replacing it with a virtual visit so uh, again, if patients are doing well if their health checks are coming through um, or even actually if there's an issue and uh, a patient is flagging something and it is a patient you would want to normally see um, Replacing that with a virtual visit instead of a in-person visit, and that's something we're working towards as well. so I think there's some really exciting trends coming out of um, innovative things that hospitals want to do based on the current situation
2: The other benefit I've heard from on the provider side of you know using seamless to avoid the the in-person visit is the idea that they can honestly just increase throughput, you know, they can replace those follow-up visits that otherwise, you know, wouldn't really have caught anything with a new patient who actually needs an, an urgent surgery or something like that. So, so definitely have heard no benefits for, for both parties on that.
0: Uh, Merida, just bringing the conversation kind of full circle, when uh, Chisley first implemented CMOSMD, you mentioned outcomes were obviously the, the main metric that we were looking at. Could you talk a little bit about what the impact has been with CMOSMD on outcomes?
1: Yeah, I kind of uh, gave some of this away right at the top of the podcast in terms of their readmission results, but I'll kind of reemphasize those and talk through them in a little more detail. So St. Francis has been doing a lot of things as a hospital and as a system to continue to reduce their readmissions. And they had been seeing their readmissions kind of slowly go down. But after we incorporated Seamless, there was a much more significant reduction in readmissions. Again, we went from the overall readmission rate across all patients, all open cardiac surgery patients, I should say, from 11% to 6%. And for those who may not quite be in the world of quality outcomes or readmissions, that's a very significant uh, drop. And there are also across the United States um, penalties for uh, hospitals who have extremely high readmissions rates. So anything you can do to reduce your readmission rate, um, obviously it's great for the patient, but it is also great for the hospital from a financial perspective. And so I think they've been very happy with the results we've seen so far across those first six, seven months of uh, working with them and seeing that rate go down. Breaking that out even more specifically to the Medicare population uh, in the United States, they saw sort of an even greater reduction within that subpopulation than the overall population. So that's fantastic as well. And I really, again, think we can attribute a lot of this to the fact that these patients are being monitored. These NPs who are getting the alerts, they're calling the patients back, they're talking to them. Um, They're, you know, just that phone call uncovers a lot of additional things that also may lead to a readmission. So very often they've, you know, gotten on the phone for one reason and then discovered, Uh, their medication management wasn't necessarily done as well as it should have been and patients are on multiple medications that are suddenly skyrocketing their blood pressure things like that so there's a lot of benefit to something as simple as if a patient fills out a survey the downstream effects can be extremely amplified in terms of the overall effect on both the patient for their care as well as the hospital as a whole
0: right that's great Josh, did you have any other questions or?
2: No, I, this was fantastic. We really appreciate you, Marizad, sharing all the different secrets to success with digital patient engagement. Um, but if there's no other questions from you, Alan, I'm good to get to the lightning round.
0: <laughs> all right, uh, awesome. So Marizad, you're familiar with our Fast Five lightning round from last time. I've changed the questions this time, so if you're using those old set of questions, you'll be answering something completely different. So, first question that we have this time, uh, what is something that you believe that others in healthcare might find insane?
1: Well, I'm a really scientific person, so I think I go along with uh, most science, uh, but maybe I think our patient education specialists, maybe our dietitians, will knock me for this, but I'm very much in the camp of eat absolutely whatever you want, so mm-hmm. we'll go with that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I think I think it's good life advice. Yeah, eat whatever you want and don't feel ashamed. Yeah. I haven't, uh, I haven't
2: heard of any evidence that goes against that. Yeah,
1: I've <laughs> well, never heard of it. I don't know. I mean, if you want chocolate cake for breakfast, eat chocolate cake for breakfast is my uh it's my philosophy. Yeah. So we should, we
2: should do a separate podcast with merit on just like proper nutrition and then let's, let's <laughs> talk about chocolate cake and everything else. Oh,
0: boy. <laughs> All right, question number two, Marzad, Uh, How has a failure or a parent failure set you up for later success? And then part two of that question, do you have a favorite failure of yours?
1: Failures. Um, you know what, I'll go with a personal anecdote on this rather than a professional one. So my love for travel is well known. Many years ago, I was at the New Orleans Jazz Fest and I made an absolute mess of my return trip because I didn't take into account time difference at all across Time zones when booking my flight. Um, It has a happy ending because I got an extra day in uh, New Orleans, but I have never ever made the mistake again for either travel or work meetings when it comes to time zones and time differences. So, lesson learned uh, and probably served me well through both personal and professional life uh, after that point.
0: Definitely. Did you, uh, when you're in New Orleans, did you get like vignettes or something on your last day
1: there? Uh, Last day. I think I had them every single day. Uh, right. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, question three: Would you rather have invisibility or super strength?
1: Invisibility.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. you gotta got explain that.
1: <laughs> Why? It's it's a very it's a yes no question basically this or that. Uh, what
2: would you do with it? Would you like go rob banks? Like, what would you do with your invisibility?
1: Yeah, you could just be like a great spy, you know. Um, mm. Sneaky,
2: so so you become the highest paid like CIA agent, right? Sure, (laughs)
1: it's
0: (laughs) a great answer. Uh, question four What is your favorite movie?
1: I feel like I'm gonna get judged by Alan since he's the movie aficionado here. Um, I would say, on a serious note, I enjoy Life is Beautiful, uh, which is obviously a sad movie, but on a very much opposite end of the spectrum. I also danced for many years, and so I definitely have sort of a penchant for what would be considered some pretty trashy dance movies, so. Like
2: Step Up, is what are we talking about?
1: (laughs) Sure, I mean, Step Up, Center Stage, uh, Shall We Dance? There's a long list uh, down Mm -hmm. down that path, so, yeah.
0: That's great. I'm not judging you at all on those answers. Those are great movies. Uh, all right, question five, last question, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, so metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to millions or billions of people, what would it say and why?
1: Um, let's see, I could say anything. I think we're just in a sort of interesting climate politically worldwide, and I'd probably just say vote, because I think it's the most important thing that people can do. given everything that's going on in many different countries around the mm-hmm. world. So about exercise your constitutional rights.
0: <laughs> that's a good that's one. Great. Yeah. So Marizad, thank you so much for being on the show again today. Um, we'll definitely invite you back for a third episode, but it's, it's really up to you if you want to come back. Uh, but I know for, for this episode and, and your previous one, uh, it's been great talking with you. It's been great learning about what Seamless MD is doing for our customers in cardiac care and learning about the success we've had uh, and just hearing everything from the different trials and tribulations that we go through in implementing technology and then how that can turn into a, a success story uh, later on. So thank you so much for sharing that today.
1: Absolutely. appreciate you guys having me again. And uh, one of my favorite things about this job is to talk about when our customers are doing something really great that's having an impact. So this was really Just fun, uh, talking about a great customer who's having a tremendous impact on their patients. So looking forward to the next one. Amazing.
2: Thanks so much, Mirazad.